Identity Talk. I'm your host, Jana Lopez. Thank you for sharing your time with me. My mission is to create deeper conversations with dynamic people from all walks of life about uncovering meaning about who we are and how we come to see ourselves. Words and identity are my life. I'm the author of the acclaimed book, Me, My Selfie, and I. I teach online writing workshops called Write About Now and offer one-on-one transformative coaching sessions that break you through to deeper clarity and connection with yourself through a guided process I call See Through Words. When it comes to navigating identity funky junk, it's time for straight talk. Get ready for real stories, real connection, and real hope mixed with humor and a whole lot of love. You're now part of Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. Welcome to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. As many of you have listened to my episodes, I always have somebody amazing and interesting. And this week is no exception. I'm thrilled to have artist and new friend, Lauren Snyder, whom I just started getting to know. And and we've had a a good time so far. And so we're going to talk about Lauren's story. To be clear and correct, is it you're a transgender man who is now a woman? Or is it you're a transgender woman who, what is the correct way to address that? The correct uh, term that's used, I would be considered a transgender woman. Okay. Born into a male body, and I lived as a male for many, many years till I was age 66. So the term is transgender female. I just prefer the term female because I, you know, why do we need the term transgender attached to it? But yeah, that is that technically I am a trans female. Part of the discussion is we were going to talk about why labels and and this whole experience, because there's so much I didn't know. There's so much I'm always curious about. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are curious um, and they don't want to often ask the questions because they don't want to be incorrect or they don't want to offend or they're afraid to find out the answers. I mean, that's part of it too, is I think people are afraid of what they don't know. And when you came over a few weeks ago, we had such a lovely and meaningful conversation. It just reminded me of all the things that matter and all the things that don't matter when it comes to this. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. We we covered a lot of ground. So you were living as a man for 66 years and your name was Stephen. Correct. And we talked about yeah. how you came to the name Lauren. Because when I look at you now, I mean, you just look like a Lauren to me. I can't imagine, you know, <laughs> but tell me about your name, Lauren. Can't imagine, Stephen. No. Well, here's what happened. I, I, trans, I transitioned, or, or I should say started to transition at age 66, and it all got triggered by Bruce Jenner becoming Caitlyn Jenner. So this process evolved over a number of years, and I might say that it will always be evolving. So I stuck with the name Stephen after I transitioned, 
partly because I thought it would be a nightmare changing the name. And then I met two different women who told me they knew women born as women that were named Stephen. So I decided, well, it's also a female name, same way Lauren could be a male or female name. Mm -hmm. So I, I stuck with that a couple of years. And then I thought, well, if I did change my name, what would I change it to? So I started, I just look, started looking at names. And Lauren kept coming back to me as something I felt comfortable with. I liked the name. And then I just put it on the back burner in about a little over a year ago, a friend of mine who I had just met recently said to me, you know, when I met you, I was confused because you looked like a woman, but you had a man's name. So I didn't know what the deal was. And when that happened, I thought, well, if she's confused, a lot of people are confused. And it's, I'm going to, so at first I just decided here in Santa Fe that I would start using the name Lauren and everyone in town just started calling me Lauren. And then in November, in since we were all stuck at home in COVID anyway, I decided to look into legally changing my name. And I, I applied for the name change with the court, had the virtual courtroom session and voila, my name was Lauren. And then I started changing it with all the entities I had to change it with. So that's the whole evolution of how it came about. So there's two questions that, that came already. One is, what was it about what happened with Caitlyn Jenner that you felt connected to or inspired by? What was it about that resonated with you? Here's, here's kind of what happened. My whole life, I felt different than boys. And early on, my father died when I was seven. I just made an assumption that I felt different because they all had fathers and I didn't. Therefore, I was different. Mm -hmm. When that whole time, what was going on was I was not a boy or a man. And I had no realization of that. But things happened over time that were signal. And I just assumed something was wrong with me. So when when all of a sudden I saw Caitlyn Jenner and I, I knew who Bruce Jenner was, as everyone in the world pretty much knew who Bruce Jenner was, this, this very handsome uh, superstar male uh, from the Olympics. And I saw this beautiful woman, Caitlyn, and I just a light bulb went off all of a sudden. And it started happening. It wasn't like I went from man to trans female overnight, it was a very slow process. I was married to a woman for 30 years. It was really a conflict because uh, she started getting freaked out because she caught me with makeup on. I, that's the first thing I did is I bought makeup mm -hmm. and I secretly would put it on and try to make my, my face look more feminine. She saw me one day and was kind of horrified that this was going on. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, look, I don't know where this is going. And I said to her, I don't know where it's going either. Mm -hmm. And that, that was what happened with Bruce Jenner flipping the switch for me. Were there moments when you were putting on the makeup? I, I would imagine just when you've had an identity your whole life, and then when you're putting on makeup, 
was it somebody who was warmly familiar or was there some strange dissonance in who you were seeing looking back like in those early moments what was I just can't imagine what that would be like looking in a mirror like that here here's the interesting thing back in the late 1960s when long hair started happening on men I grew my hair and I would look in the mirror and try to see if I looked pretty. Hmm. I wanted long hair so I could look feminine. Hmm. I, I, I knew early on I had this, this desire to be feminine, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't show it to anybody. I kept it a secret and I just thought I was screwed up. Mm-hmm. So when I started putting on the makeup, it was so exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I loved every minute of transforming my face mm-hmm. and making my face look feminine because I felt feminine. I felt like a female. So yeah, I loved the startup of the makeup. And did that cause some, we talked about this, so I, I know a little bit about it, but did it cause some sadness and grief and confusion with your wife? Because, you know, there was a whole sense of loyalty and love and a life of of being together in that way. I'm very fortunate in that I accumulate friends over time and I don't ever let go of my friends. Mm -hmm. So I have all my friends from when I was a child. And we're still very close. So I started, when this started happening, I did not talk to my wife about it. Mm -hmm. I was afraid to, but I started talking to my very, very close friends who I'd known for 50 or more years. And they were extremely supportive. So the thing with my wife, I was just afraid to talk to her. Yeah. And it, it finally came to a head right after our 30th anniversary We had a second, we lived in Denver and we had a second home in Santa Fe. So she said to me, why don't you go down to Santa Fe for a month and try and figure out what's going on with you? And I said, okay. And I threw some clothes in the car and I drove to Santa Fe. And I got to tell you, the second I pulled into town, I knew that I was never going back home. And I think that day I took off my wedding ring. It, It, uh, it's a sad part of my life, um, leaving my marriage. Yeah. Uh, my wife initially was devastated because we had a wonderful marriage. We, I, I just felt like she did not marry a woman and it would not be right to stay in this marriage. And I needed the freedom in a new city where nobody knew me mm-hmm. to be able to develop into the person I am now. And the good news is my wife, after feeling horrible for the next four or five months, met a man who she is now married to happily, a wonderful man. And I said to her about, oh, about nine months later, I was back at the house in Denver picking up some things. And I said, will you ever be able to forgive me for leaving? Mm -hmm. And she said to me, oh, you have it all wrong. She said, you did the right thing. You helped me 
go on my path. We were together. There was a reason. There was love. We created two wonderful daughters. And the time came in life where we it was time to go separate directions. And you had the courage to do that. And she said she would have never had the courage to uh, to do that. So thank goodness that it was all good. I still have sadness. I still miss her. And I let, you know, we talk a lot on the phone. We're extremely close. We still love each other. We'll be with each other for life. We're there for each other. So um, I've already talked to her today a couple times. Yeah. So that's, that's how yeah. that developed. And your daughters, how were they? One daughter was so supportive that she started, uh, she lives in Los Angeles and she started getting involved in LGBT uh, groups, support groups, talking to people, investigating, sending me information. She got more involved in it than I, than I did. The other daughter, on the other hand, who lived in Denver where I lived, was furious that I was moving away. Mm -hmm. She was, I think, upset by the fact that her dad was now becoming a woman and she stopped talking to me for several years. Mm -hmm. So that was sad. It's now okay. We're, we're together. I hadn't seen her in five years. I saw her for the first time in Denver about two weeks ago. So uh, that's, that's how that went down. Yeah, I'm sure it always brings up a lot of mixed emotions because this is going to sound really matrix and weird, but on the inside, you're the same. You're not the same on the outside, but the outside yeah. influences the inside, which means you're more of who you were. You know what I mean? Like there's so much going on between the internal and the external and appearance and just feeling and you feeling into your own growth and femininity. You know, my, my close friends, these friends who have known me my entire life, when they started seeing me appear as female, they just said, you're the same person. <laughs> There's no difference. You're the same person we've always known. So it really had, had no effect on our friendships. They, and, and I am the same person. <laughs> so I just look different. Unfortunately, I still have a male voice. So when I go places like stores where I'm being waited on by somebody, they always refer to me as sir. And on the telephone, when I'm talking to anybody at customer service with a company, they always say, sir, thank you, sir. And I always correct them and say, it's madam. And, you know, that I, I wish the voice could change too, but I don't think it's going to. It could be such a different scenario because people can be unkind. I think people do want to compartmentalize. I think they do want to label. They do want to understand. They, they do want to judge. When we were speaking, you were telling me how kind, for the most part, people have been. And that really made me feel good and feel happy because I think anytime we make any choices in our life, doesn't matter what they are. There's always going to be judgment. I have gone through this myself recently. And so it's lovely that you had support from your wife and your friends and 
I know that for a lot of people that doesn't always work out that way. Part of the beauty of my change was that I moved to Santa Fe, which is an extremely liberal town. In fact, that Santa Fe's tagline is a city different. That's what it's known as. And everyone in Santa Fe wants to look different than everybody else. It's a bunch of very unique people here who all want their own identity. So I was so openly accepted here immediately. And I, unlike most trans people, I am so fortunate in that I have never had a negative experience having transitioned. And I don't think there's any trans people out there that could make that statement. I'm just blessed that I was in a city that trans was no big deal. It's been a a wonderful journey, unlike, you know, I'm in some trans groups on Facebook, some trans support groups, and these women have nightmare stories about what happens with them. And I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. Very fortunate in life. And we talked about the vast differences and the micro differences and some of the micro differences, there were two things that struck out to me. One, was skirts versus dress versus pants. And you told me the story of the skirt. So do you want to share that story? Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is from the time I was 13 and I was sitting in a classroom in St. Louis where I grew up. I looked over and saw a girl I knew sitting there in a skirt. And I thought, God, I wonder what that would feel like wearing a skirt. Mm -hmm. And I had a fascination with skirts from that point on. After I started transitioning, well, it went in a few stages. So I moved to Santa Fe. I have a a total male wardrobe. And I started, I was still wearing male clothes. I just really didn't think about female clothes. I was wearing makeup. I was trying to present as female. And then about seven months into it, I got accepted into a transgender art show in Miami. So a woman friend of mine here said, do you want to borrow a couple of my, a couple of my female tops to wear in Miami? I said, sure. So I took this, this female clothing with me to Miami and I wore the clothes and it was great. It felt wonderful. Uh, I wore the tops with like black pants. I came back to Santa Fe and I was washing her clothes to return to her. And uh, the second light bulb went off after the Bruce Jenner thing. And I thought, why am I wearing men's clothing? I have an entire men's wardrobe and women don't wear men's clothes. So at that point, I got rid of all my men's clothes and I I really started buying mostly thrift. And I bought uh, a lot of tops. I bought women's jeans, women's pants and started wearing women's clothes. I thought I could never put on a skirt and walk out of the house, much less a dress. So I was in a, a, a resale clothing store here and I was looking at women's clothes and this, this woman who worked, worked there, who I did not know, called me over. She said, here, I have something you might wanna try on. She was holding a dress. And I said, well, I don't wear dresses. And she said, I don't know what you wear. Do you want to try it on? And I said, yeah, I I would like to try it on. So I go in the dressing room. I try on the dress. It didn't fit. 
I opened the door. I said, it didn't fit. And she's holding a skirt, this really cool. It was like a camo long full skirt with a dragon embellished on the front. Uh, uh, so it was really like an amazing one-off skirt. She said, why don't you try this? And I tried it on, it fit perfectly. So I came out of the dressing room. I said, okay, I'm gonna buy it. I don't know if I'll ever wear it, but I'm gonna buy it. So I brought the dress home. That, that night I'm laying in bed thinking about the skirt and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go to the thrift store. I'm gonna buy some cheap, you know, like $3 skirts. And I'm a painter, I'm an artist. My studio's at home. I thought I'm gonna buy these skirts and just start wearing skirts at home all the time, nothing else but skirts. I paint in skirts. So after about, oh, two or three weeks of wearing skirts at home, I was getting so comfortable. I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out. And I dressed up, actually this woman who had loaned me the top, she helped me pick out an outfit. She kind of styled me into this really nice outfit to wear that first time out. And I went to a uh, kind of a nightclub here, a bar that had live, live music at night where everybody went, we'd go out and dance and listen to music. And that's where I went. Everybody knew me. I walk in and my friends looked at me and they just went, oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> it was, it was like, it, it was just, it was amazing, this reception I got, but then it gets better. <laughs> so this, this man that I knew who is a filmmaker and photographer came up to me and said, I, he said to me, I shoot a fashion segment for a publication here in Santa Fe. And I'd like to shoot photos of you in that exact outfit in downtown, the street in downtown Santa Fe. Would you like to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I said, absolutely. I'd like to do that. So my first time out, I end up in a fashion shoot and in a magazine. So you couldn't be more blessed than I am. So that that's my amazing story with skirts. And that's, by the way, I don't, I don't have any pants. I've worn nothing but skirts every day for at least two years, two and a half years. And I'm so happy about it. Yeah, well, there was two things. One was you showed me a picture of yourself as a man on Halloween. And I did not, I could not. It was <laughs> fucking weird to see you as a man because I look at you and I see a woman. So to see that picture was so jarring in a way. It was, it was really hard to believe. You were a handsome man, by the way, too, just as you are a beautiful woman, but it was surprising Thank to you. see the contrast. Well, the funny part about that is, you know, I got the, Halloween is a huge event in Santa Fe with with people my age. There's parties all I go to two or three parties every Halloween, at least until COVID hit. So that first year that I I, I thought, well, I'm going to go in drag and drag when you're a woman is to go as a man. So I put on my man. <laughs> I, I let my my beard grow out a little bit that week and didn't go out around town and. And I went as a lumberjack. So I put my hair up under one of those knit caps. And I went to the first party and there were at least 30 to 50 people that I knew at that party that knew me well. Not one 
single person knew who I, I was. That. I was walking up to people and they were looking at me like, why are you approaching me? <laughs> and then I'd say hi. And they, it was, as soon as they heard the voice, they knew it was me. No one recognized me as a man. And that to me is, is crazy. It's like, do I do that good of a job putting on my female face? I don't know. It's interesting too that when we were we were uh, chatting that I think the way people want to see people they know they're always going to project if they if they see you as a woman you're always going to be a woman in their eyes or if they see you as a man and when you were describing how you've had this vantage point of living life both as a man and woman you have seen two very distinct points of view of how people are treated, how they treat others. And that was fascinating to me. So talk to me a little bit about the differing points of view of life as a man versus life as a woman. I've been enlightened. And, you know, I say this to people, to women, you could never, ever understand what it's like to be a man. And no man could ever understand fully what it's like to be a woman. This, this is a whole different world that women live in. And the, the best illustration I can say right off the bat is, as a man, you wake up in the morning, get out of bed, hopefully brush <laughs> your teeth, which I always do, and then throw on some clothes and Maybe mess with your hair, throw your hands through it for a second and walk out mm-hmm. the door. So five minutes is a lapse from bed to yeah. leaving the house. As a female, and, 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 you know, I don't want to stereotype here because some women live the way a man does and they don't put on makeup and they don't, are not concerned with a lot of that. But many, many women, more women than not that I have met, put some type mm-hmm. of makeup on they very much attend to their appearance. And that that right off the bat, I mean, it's a very superficial thing, but that right off the bat is such a stark difference between male and mm-hmm. female life. There's also a unique, what I have found, kind of sisterhood among women that doesn't exist in the male world. It's a different psyche. You know, you and I talked about this group that I started here of women. I started a social group after I'd been here about a year. I I knew, you know, roughly 40 women who had all, my experience with women here is when they met me, they kind of took me under their wing and were so supportive and helpful and nurturing. So I had so much love coming my way. I thought, I'm going to start a Facebook group with these women, just put them all together. They didn't all know each other. I named it jokingly, humorously, the Real Housewives of Santa Fe. And I invited all the women to my house for a cocktail party. And I said, you know, cocktail attire requested, but, you know, but not uh, not required. And women showed up. We had this wonderful cocktail party and all the women said, you know, let's do this all the time. And we, the group's now four years and we're in our fifth year, or maybe we just started our fourth year. I can't remember. It was 2017. I think we're in our fifth year. So at one of the parties, we get 50 to 70 women at every party. 
at one of these parties recently, I looked around the room and saw all these women and, and the women break down into small groups at the party of five women, seven women have little groups where they're talking. And I looked around the room and I, I thought, there's no male equivalent of this phenomenon. You would never get 50 or 70 men to say, hey, let's all have a <laughs> cocktail party together and sit around and talk. It just, it just, it just uh, wouldn't happen. So the fact that this is a thing that women can do, it is a sisterhood where women take care of women. And it is such a wonderful thing. The other thing I realized is, and it's so disturbing to me that this has gone on and probably will continue to go on for a long time, and I wish it wouldn't, is that from the time women are very young, they are taught to be wary of men. Many men, not all men, but many, many men are predatory towards women. And, you know, we see it in the news all the time and we hear the horror stories. But what I realized is, is that women from a very young age, probably at least by the time they're a teenager, develop a kind of fear of what could happen with a man if they're alone or they're walking down the street by themselves. And as we know, fear is stress. So I realized that women live with an extra part of stress that men don't have. And it's unfair, it's unfortunate, it's sad, but it's reality. And that, that was one of my realizations, Jana. And, you know, I can relate to it because if I'm walking down the street, not in Santa Fe, but in another city, I could also have fear within me that I could be conflict situation because of my appearance. So that's another stark difference. I want to talk about some of the other differences, but I had that very thought this morning when I was walking. I, I spend a good couple hours every morning walking and I do about five to 10 miles any given day. And I was walking in this neighborhood and I feel pretty safe in Santa Fe. But the other day when I was walking, there was a kind of a remote road and there was a guy <laughs> And he's got a chainsaw and he's cutting wood, but I'm thinking, shit, I'm alone. And there's this weird looking dude with a chainsaw <laughs> thinking this morning when I was walking, reflecting on that, that there's an inherent fear that I have about my body or my space in the world or about some form of danger. Like I feel really nervous when I go to bathrooms and I'm alone in the bathroom. I feel vulnerable, like somebody could come in or when I'm walking and I thought how like my former husband, Mark, doesn't even know or will never even understand or, or, or comprehend what that's like to walk in the world with an added layer of fear. And so that's exactly what you're talking about. I didn't fully grasp or understand that. I always knew that that women were mm -hmm. vulnerable and should never be walking at night by themselves very far. And if they are and they have, they should have some sort of device or something to create loud, loud noise mm -hmm. or pepper spray or something if they get in a situation where they have to be alone. Yeah, that's a that's a sad, sad phenomena. What would you tell men? that you'd want them to know first about men 
And then what would you tell men something that you'd want them to know about women? That's a good question. And I, 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 I'm not sure I know how to answer that without giving it some thought. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think I said this to you last week when we were uh, when we got together, that no man could ever be a woman. Mm-hmm. And that may sound strange coming from a person who was at least presented as a man that is now a woman. Mm-hmm. But the reason I say that is, I don't believe that I am a man that became a woman. I think I'm a woman that was stuck in a man's body from birth. And it took me a long time to realize that fully. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is, is that no man who is a man and born as a man could ever live the life of a woman. They wouldn't make it through a single day Mm -hmm. in in my estimation. Mm -hmm because it is such a vastly different life and lifestyle. You know, I have a painting I did several years ago, and it's a, it's a very important piece to me. And it's a painting of women's faces with somewhat horrified looks or frightened looks on their faces. And I named the piece, The Pretty Girls. And I think it's you know, in terms of a message, it's one of the most significant pieces I've ever done. Do you use your art as a way to no. navigate expression, both as a female and a female who has had a male perspective? Does that come through in the art? Do both come through? Do both identities? Because you're still very much have lived as a man, even though you felt like a woman, you still have that perspective. That's still part of your identity. You're always going to have that. And I'm sure you love Stephen. I'm sure you love who he was in the world. And I'm sure he was just as good and kind and doing the best he could, you know, to make it. So do you, do you ever have to have a conversation with Stephen and reconcile with him and love him and sort of bring him into your life still, or how does that go? Well, the you know, the man, you know what I said on Halloween when people said, wow, you know, <laughs> you know, you're a man. And I said, well, you know, I had a lot of experience <laughs> acting like a man. Yeah. I'm very skilled at what are usually considered masculine um, things, which I'm talking about construction. I'm self-trained in construction. I could build a house from the ground up with doing every trade by myself. And, and this is something, there are women with those skills, but there's way more men with those skills. So I really appreciate that I picked up all of these male stereotype skills Mm -hmm. in my male life. And to me, it brings, it makes me a much more well, well-rounded person mm-hmm. to have been on both sides and to bring into life both perspectives, both skill sets. And as a woman, I'm just beginning. And when I, from those very early days, when I started putting makeup on, I can tell you, you'd have to compare that to a teenage girl who starts putting makeup. Yeah, we talked about that. So tell me about that excitement. I know, I loved hearing about that. You know, I consider myself now after five years of being a female that I'm probably uh, 
age-wise, not my chronological age, but the age I feel, I'm probably about 30 years old. Those first few years, I was in my young 20s. And one of my best friends here was a 26-year-old woman who, oh, she and I hung out together all the time. And it was so wonderful because I was getting to live in my 20s as a female by having this very close friend. So you told me you were wild. <laughs> you, said, you, said, you said you were. Oh, <laughs> I'm still wild. I, I'm I'm forever an adolescent. Yeah, I have never grown up. And, you know, I, I subscribe to the thing. You're only as old as you think you are. And I have a sticker in my studio, which you will see when you come visit my house. I have one of these bumper stickers that says, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. And boy, do I believe that. You know, people who think they're old are correct. <laughs> they are old. Right. And me thinking I'm, you know, whatever age it is, I'm that age. When you were talking about putting on the makeup in those early days, you were saying you felt like a teenager when you were experimenting with everything, that there was this feeling of freedom and liberation. And uh, I don't know what the other word you used was, but you were describing it as if there was just nothing but excitement and joy and everything was new. And to begin again and to have that fun and wonder and imagination and passion and inspiration for life again is such a gift. It it is my life is amazing. Every day I am so thankful that I am so blessed and I do not take it for granted. I just know that I'm a very fortunate human being that I was able to get into my true self in this lifetime. And, you know, however many years I have, I, I'm trying to make up for lost time. I'm a clothes horse. I love clothes now. I, I had no interest in clothing as a male. I wore nothing but shorts and a T-shirt <laughs> every day for 20 years. Yeah. Summer and winter. That's all I wore. I had no interest in clothing. I had no kind of wardrobe. And as a female, I have over 100 skirts. <laughs> as crazy as that may sound. I'm I'm just having a good time, and and trying to make up for all the years that I was living in the wrong body. What would you tell people that struggle with trying not just to find themselves? That that is one aspect of it, right? Finding oneself. But let's say you have an inkling and you start to discover that self. The next step of that is actually living in that self. How, how, what would you tell people that are afraid to be living in their truest self? You know, I can tell people a lot of things, but unfortunately, many people, because I see these stories again in these groups, live in very difficult situations where they want to come out, they want to live their true identity. But they might live in a city that's extremely conservative, and they're not going to get a warm reception by becoming who they really want to be. There's problems with family members not accepting them. You know, I had that issue with my daughter, but fortunately, I didn't have it with, with any other people. But I just see horror stories about people coming out and how difficult it is. So 
you know, people say to me, you probably even said it too, you know, oh, you're so courageous. You have so much courage. And I don't feel that way. I just feel like I, I had to follow this path of finding this true identity. And I hope others who want to do this can do it. But for many people, it's, it's not only scary, but it's unsafe for them in, in because of, of probably because of where they live and who they know. And I see these stories about these women will say, oh, my friend is saying negative things about me and they, you know, tease me, whatever. And I just write comments saying, those aren't your friends. Your friends would accept you. They would nurture you. They would love you no matter what your appearance is. And if they don't, they're not friends. So move on and find people who will love you in your true identity. You don't feel like it took courage, but I mean, I've reflected a lot in my own life as I've had to make some very hard choices. Uh, I've had to face difficult decisions. Obviously, there are people that get hurt along the way when you move closer towards living in your truest life or what you feel you need to pursue. You may not even know what that means. And in the process, it means things get left behind. You know, people get left behind and you're not really trying to hurt anybody. You're just doing you. But and it's unfortunate. So I've had to think a lot about what that means to be in your truest path and when you know you're going to disappoint people. And um, I think just living your your closest life to your own self does take courage because you don't know. It is uncertain. Well, it is. And once again, you know, I, I was at a point in life when I started transitioning that um, I, I was in the real estate business for 35 years, but I was winding that down to almost nothing. And I, you know, we're closing the business this year. So for me, I didn't have to deal with going to a job where I'm thrust into a situation where I don't have control over the people around me. So that was a real benefit to me. But for, you know, for most people that are going transition, they have a job, they go to a workplace and many times there's difficulty. Uh, fortunately, there's new laws that are coming out to, uh, to present, uh, protect transgender people in, in a lot of states. And then there's a lot of states that are trying to uh, ban transgender people from doing things so it's uh you know that you know the bathroom thing was a challenge for me i remember the first time i walked into a woman's bathroom i was terrified mm -hmm. to walk into a you know it's like the first time i went in a store to try on women's clothes i was terrified so this thing of of going in the women's bathroom for for me no one's ever going to look at me and go oh there's a man in the bathroom it, it's never happened. It, it, it is really, uh, women have just accepted that I'm, I'm one of the girls, even though I'm in this male body. So, you know, some women in, may be freaked out by it, but it's never happened that I've seen that. Mm -hmm. But that, that's another thing that, that, is a, that is a challenge. You know, yeah. now I'd, I'd be terrified to walk into a man's bathroom. 
And I think it's interesting that people want to categorize other people's identities based on their bits. We talked about this too. You know, they want to know, oh, well, if you've transitioned, and I'm using air quotes right now, like, have you had the surgery? And what does that mean? And I think people get into spaces, maybe they're well-meaning, maybe it's just curiosity, but it also feels a little bit offensive. I think we talked about this, like, nobody's coming to me and asking me about my vagina. Nobody's coming to me and asking me about my breasts. Nobody's talking to me about those things. So why do they people feel that it's okay to talk to you about those things? Well, it it rarely happens that people talk to me about that, but I can tell you a couple things. Uh, First of all, I've always been very open with anybody asking me any questions because I'm trying to educate people. I want people to have more understanding. So someone, this was in our conversation we had, you and I, someone said to me, uh, you know, kind of recently, they said, well, are you, did, did, are you, are you fully transitioned? And I just looked at him like, I'm, I'm a transgender female. I'm not sure what you mean. And what they meant was, because we continue the conversation a little, they wanted to know if I had surgery to change my body to be a female body. And that is a choice, I have to tell you, that's a choice that some transgender people do and other transgender people do not do. Mm -hmm. So it's a very personal thing. And I don't think people understand that, that your, your body has nothing to do with whether or not you are transgender. It has to do with your brain in what you believe your your true uh, gender identity is. So I've always been open with people, but someone said to me recently about that in talking about that, like we are, they said, don't answer those questions for people. It's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And the next time somebody asks you about your uh, genitalia and what you've done to your body, just, I should say to them, well, that's a very personal question, and I would not ask you that question about your body, so I really can't answer that for you. So, you know, it goes against my grain because I'm so open, but I want people to understand. And here's the other thing, uh, Jana. I'm a gay female, and what that means is I'm a woman attracted to women. I've, I was not a gay male. I was never attracted to men, and I'm not attracted to men as a female. Transgender people are just like cisgender people in that some are attracted to the same sex and some are attracted to the opposite sex. It's more natural to be attracted to the opposite sex because that was the design so that we could procreate. Right. But we certainly know there's a lot of gay people out there. Yeah. So, so some transgender women like men and some like women. And it's true of of transgender males, some like women, some like men. So the kids like in high school or in junior high, because there's been so many kids, the topic of fluidity and gender and pronouns and children, uh, parents are so confused about their children. Do you think that it's just because it's being talked about more? Or do you think there's something that's going on in sort of evolutionary, we're becoming more fluidity? Or do you think it's maybe just that there's social pressure, maybe all three? I mean, I don't know. It just seems like the question of 
where that lies with like parents understanding their kids that are like 14 and 15 and saying they want to transition. Is that too young? Do they know? Should they wait? Like what? There's so many questions around that. What's your perspective? We're being enlightened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it happens over time. There's a degree of enlightenment that hopefully it always goes on and always will go on where we become more aware and more educated and more accepting of people's differences. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, gay was a tough thing to be mm -hmm. because in, in many places it was illegal mm -hmm. and it still is illegal, illegal in some parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So what's happening, at least with more evolved people, is they are accepting their children' choice as to how they feel about their sexual identity. There's, there's some parents that at a, at a very young age, if, if the child wants to wear a dress and he's born as a male, they're letting him wear a dress mm -hmm. and let the child see where it goes instead of them. You know, when we come out of the womb, <laughs> our parents tell us what gender we are. We don't know what gender we are. Right. They tell us what we are. They name us for what we are. They dress us is what they think we are. Mm -hmm. So we never really have a choice in that gender identity. It's given to us and we normally accept it. So I would hope that parents, when their child at any age starts wanting to pursue a different identity that they help them along and try and understand what it is. You know, my brother is 89 years old mm -hmm. and I talked to him. He hadn't seen me until two weeks ago since I transitioned. I talked to him on the phone, you know, within the last year. And I said, you know, I look very different. And he said, I know. He said, I don't understand it, but uh, I know that you do. And I said, you know, I don't, I told him, I said, I don't understand it either. It's just what it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately, when he saw me and his wife saw me, it was wonderful. It was just wonderful because they just, I hugged my sister-in-law. It was just like nothing like nothing had changed. And then we sat down and talked for hours. And I think they immediately realized I'm just the same person. I'm not a different person because I look different and dress different. That's what you would want. You wouldn't want to look back and see the reflection in their eyes of them confused or, or, I mean, you can make, maybe could deal with that, but, but you, you'd want to see just love. I could imagine looking into the eyes and getting a reflection back of something that wasn't that, how painful that, that might be. So you know, that's all you really want. You just want to be recognized, right? <laughs> right. Recognized, right. accepted, and loved for mm -hmm. who you are, not how you look. Mm -hmm. It's who you are inside is, is what's important. I, I preach love. Yeah. That, that's kind of my, my, I'm not a religious person, but I preach love. And I say, love everybody. If you're a, a liberal and you're a Democrat, go hug a Republican conservative. Love everybody. We're all different. We're meant to be different. We don't all need to be the same, look the same, act the same, believe the same. We shouldn't. 
we're all entitled to whatever direction we want to take in life. And it's important that we respect one another and just try and love. I feel loved by you. I tell you, I'm so glad that we met. And uh, I feel like I have a safety net here as I begin my new path and journey. I, I feel like you're very protective and loyal and I feel lucky to know that that I have that as I start to sort out my own shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My message is that I hope we keep evolving. I hope we move towards one world where we're not all separate and fighting and judging. You know, we have to stop judging people. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, that that's kind of, I guess, where I'd like to, where I'd like to. Oh, I, another one of those five, three bumper stickers in the studio. That other sticker it says, non-judgment day is close. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife, every time I would like say something that mm. was a, that was judgmental, she'd say to me, yeah, remember non-judgment day is close. So we all do it. We all still judge. And I just try and realize when I'm doing it to stop doing it and evolve. You know, life should be a constant evolution of learning and growing. And, you know, till we get to a place where there's, there's really peace on earth for all of us. Thank you, Lauren Snyder beautiful artist and soulful human being I, I thank you for your time thank you and I would say one other thing Jan if it's okay I am here to help anyone out there that's having transition issues any kind of issue I I, I love to listen and help others so people are can reach me at Lauren Snyder art on Facebook it, well, on Facebook, it's just Lauren Snyder. On Instagram, it's Lauren Snyder Art. On the web, it's laurensnyderart.com. You can contact me through any of those uh, medias. And I would love to provide any support, answer any questions, be helpful in any way I can for anyone who is dealing with the issue of transition. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. I've had a fantastic time. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, share it with someone you think is in need. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. For questions or comments, reach me at janalopez.com. And when you're having a moment of identity doubt, just remember that seeing 